Hello, listeners. We hope you are enjoying Season 4 of Dice Tower Theater. Now it's time for us to take an intermission. If you wish to continue the story, you can join our Patreon program for as low as a dollar and gain access to the final episodes of this season. Or join in on the game itself in one of the higher tiers. This bonus episode is brought to you by Josh Wash Whitby with GamesMastery.com. I recently did a convention panel with him and Jesse Jurdak called Ask a DM, where we shared some of our knowledge around the game with those in attendance. We recorded it, and we'll share it with you now as a break from our usual audio drama. Looking forward to doing this again, for sure. And maybe we should make it to your town. Let us know. Find us on social media at Dice Tower Theater. Now, let me turn this over to our sponsor. Greetings, everyone. This is Josh Wash with GamesMastery.com. I am honored to announce our new Ask a DM series. Our ongoing quest is to help inspire creativity and make the best games possible. We'll be working with Mike Ashley. He's an amazing bard and the genius behind DicetowerTheater.com. Mike has been running games since before you rolled your first crit. Also joining us is Jesse Jurdak, a super talented actor and cosplayer. Jesse is the mastermind behind Cappy Battle and his wildly popular YouTube channel. We're here to help solve all of your dungeon master problems. We'll brainstorm ideas for preparing, planning, and running the most exciting game possible. Don't forget to check out GamesMastery.com for insight, advice, and inspiration. Check the show notes below for where you can find us. And without any more ado, let's get started. Anyway, should we start with Mile High Jedi's question? Yes, yes. Mile High Jedi's question. Okay. Let's see. How do you approach different Session Zero topics or discussions, like potential house rules, potential sensitive subjects in the content? Another way to phrase the question is, what kind of groundwork do you lay before the campaign starts? Go ahead. You want want to go ahead and start with yours, or what do you think, Jess? No, go ahead. (laughs) Roll for initiative. Oh. Okay. So, so should I start? Let's go, Miss Light Yeah, I think it's very important to do session zero, uh, setting up expectations and all that kind of stuff. Um, you said, oh, house rules. I have. I don't have many house rules. Maybe I do. I don't know. Does anyone play with Josh? Specific house rules. No, no one knows me. It's fine. I, I play with you. Right? Not in D&D, but... Yeah. <laughs> hey. I think my biggest social rule is using inspiration and stuff instead of actual experience. So if a player does suit something super cool or creative, I award inspiration tokens instead of experience. And yeah. I, yeah. Oh, sorry. I, 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 I got excited. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> and I let the players... Um, Spend their, ins- spend their inspiration on bad rolls that I do as the DM. So if I roll a crit or something, they can spend it for me to re-roll. Really? Yeah, that's oh, probably that's my so best cool. show. I hate that. That's yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm pretty easy 
That's the rumor. Yeah, that's fine. That's awesome. So another huge thing in Session Zero, the sensitive subjects. Definitely want to talk about romance and how far you want to go with that. Um, so it also depends on your comfortability as a DM. If you want to spend that time playing an NPC, that's going to romance one of the players. That's a whole extra character for you. Yeah, uh, yeah it's a whole thing. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. And then on top of that, how are you spending nights with your players and are you role-playing that and talking about that? So some normal, the best rule for everyone is just fade to black. The guys, they shared a room together, it's fine. But I, also had, I also had some groups who do like dexterity checks and constitution checks oh. for stamina. Oh. And all that. <laughs> dexterity it's, it's for everything. Yeah. Use your imaginations, boys. <laughs> it depends on right. the group, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's so. Yeah, yeah, that happened once. Oh. So my player was a undead warlock romancing a wizard scholar girl. And for some reason, she didn't notice that he was undead. <laughs> is that a yeah, failed perception check? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But she was in love. It's fine. Did she see a bone? <laughs> right. oh, yeah. That's all it did there. Well, with lack right. of blood flow. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what about your house rules? So house rules, I interview players almost like it's a job. Just yes. knowing the table, right? It's... It, Bring everybody in, see how they match. If they're not used to the group, you know what, where are the lines going to be? There's plenty of good worksheets that are out there where you can you can draw those lines up, right? You want to make sure that everybody's comfortable to enter that realm of fantasy because it's hard to improv, it's yes. hard to act <laughs> if it's uncomfortable for many people, especially if you haven't prepared. Exactly. <laughs> yes, very much so. Uh, house rules. I, I like to come up with. Uh, Different ways of rewarding characters than just, you know, gold just treasure, that kind of stuff. Instead, it's terrible in fifth edition. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it, it's it, it's better to try and find things that they like through your session zero, through interviewing, through talking. What's your favorite movies? What's this kind of thing? What do you wish you could be? Right. And let them sail on that cloud nine that you want to be, because that's what we do it for, right? I mean, we do it to become somebody that's superhero outside of our own selves. I don't know about you, but... That's the whole point um, of playing the game. Yes. We all win when everyone has fun. Absolutely, absolutely. So that, that's probably one of my biggest ones, is story elements. How to bring those things in, in, into it, right? How about you, Jesse, what you got? Uh, well, since you guys covered house rules and story elements really well, I'm gonna just do what I do and cover uncomfortable okay. subjects. Guys, let's do it. So, you know, there are things that you bring up at, at session zero, and uh, if you're anything like me as a DM, Trigger by word. session three, you've forgotten. Everybody's <laughs> like lying in the middle. So I think checking in with those probably annually, annually, because I, I play like twice a month with, with one of my parties and twice a month with another party. Even then though, it, like it's good to be like, to take a second and be like, hey, uh, if this is getting heated, uh, are, you, are you still on board? Good example, last night I was playing with my home team and uh, my buddy Jenny was deciding to romance an NPC that I didn't think was going to be anybody's particular type. Um, so I was a woman in her 
mid sixties. Uh, I love it. Ginny's known, <laughs> and uh, that was that was a first for me. And it was a, turns out it was a first for her. But uh, we did, we just did that. Like she just grabs your hand and runs to the back room, and then I'm like, can we fade to black? That's great. I forget things all the time. I'm the most forgetful DM. I have an award for it. Sometimes you'll step over a veil or a line as a DM. Have you done trigger it? Trigger warning. Done it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And. So, uh, yeah, mild trigger warning, not huge. Uh, I like to be very uh, inclusive with my NPCs. And players my NPCs. There's one NPC that I perpetually misgender, and it sucks every time. <laughs> and my wife is amazing, and she's like, hey, you're right, I messed up. Of um, course. Uh, because we're all fallible. Also, my house rules are very minimal because they're, the game's pretty good, depending on which game. There's lots of games. There's lots of games. I'm, I play 5e primarily. There are lots uh, of games. Absolutely. Okay, I don't, I don't think I answered any questions, but I sure said a lot. No, you did. <laughs> so I just want to thank Mark for putting that out there. He's the first one to answer yeah. us online yeah, on, on our Mark. Discord. So thank you so much. Yeah. So for that, you get the grand prize right here from oh. that first person. So this is Ooh. custom made. Dragon Knight dice with little skulls and yeah, Dragon Knight dice. Right back there. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, buddy. Awesome. Yeah. Who else brought questions? Anybody else? Oh, right, question right, right back here. All right. Uh, my question is: What is the most creative NPC that you have made on the spot? Mine might be Jake from State Farm because my teams are nihilists. <laughs> That's wonderful. Wash, what do you think? Most creative, Wonderful. weirdest NPC. Come on, buddy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we had a whole session that was kind of not planned at all. Nice. So that was, you know, that happened. So to set it up, the players were in the bar, and I had a rogue in the party. So I wanted the rogue to do something. So I was like, oh, you see two strange figures in the back of the bar using the talking with thieves can't. And of course, uh, she goes over there and like overhears the whole thing. She didn't even try to talk to them. And so she overhears them talking about robbing guards' payroll place in the big city. And she doesn't even talk to the players. She just overhears their thieves can't and then tells the party, we're going on a heist. <laughs> <It's> like, okay. <laughs> so I had to come up with the whole the guards tower and a whole office building. I put traps and stuff in there. But the bard, of course, um, <laughs> seduced one of the guards in a back alley to keep him distracted. And Not a bard. <laughs> so it was just like a bunch of random guards I had to make up and play all that. But it was a lot of fun. I love making stuff up like that. Especially when it's based on what the players want to do. I had them go through traps and do all this crazy stuff. There's no actual fighting, but lots of fun sneaking around and distraction. And it went really well. What about you, Mikey? What about the most wackiest, wildest NPC that you've ever had to improv on the spot? Oh, I'll flip it on its head a little bit. Like, you know, this. Oh, wait, wait. It's <laughs> <laughs> hard. So, in the beginning of our campaign, we brought everybody up through a storyline where they had characters they wanted to be. And so, what did to kind of spark things up was I chopped their stats in half and said, You're going to start off as children. Ah. Love that. Okay, and this is going to be your backstory, and you're going to try and find out why you want to be a paladin, why you want to be a warlock, you know, why these things are there, right? So, in the course, I made an NPC that was named Zane. Zane was there just to be comic relief, and of course, the tragic brother who dies, and they go off and blah blah blah. Pretty classic, right? 
Off he goes, everybody was so pissed at me. So then I bring him back, and he kind of becomes this side character throughout everything. Fast forward, <laughs> a lot, we, we, go, we go into a memory thing with a totally different group of characters from a different part of the world. It cycles back, it's happening at the same time. And when they found Zane, Zane was with another NPC, and they had this other person. And so they remember that from six years ago. Wow, Whatever, right? So then you go back and back in that town and everybody's running through it and you see the light bulbs turn on. They're like, wait a minute, we're totally different characters now. We're playing a sideline uh, adventure. Now we're halflings and elves. We're not these humans that we were playing. And oh, I guess I go into the tavern. Okay, I go into the tavern. You're here, you're chasing this guy. And that NPC is you. <laughs> and they went, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so it, no, just, no, cycle it up. Right? That is great. So, so that's a little bit uh, different. My friend Nate did a Stranger Things campaign with everyone as children. That's fun. That's nice. Cool. So, anyway, Absolutely. Uh, okay, the weirdest NPC. Uh, he's probably the most mundane looking. Uh, my wife is a demon. And uh, just in real life. So she's we, the best. We got to a town and she's like, so I want to go see the taco cart. I'm like, I hadn't really intended for there to be a taco cart. This is, this is like kind of like Renaissance medieval mishmash. And she's like, well, well, can I roll to see if there's a taco cart? I'm like, yeah. Because I'm a team player. So she rolls a, a nat 20. I'm like, turns out there is a taco cart in the town square. And she, and she's like, I want to go to that right now. I'm like, well, it's a big town. It's going to take you a little bit. She's like, we're going, right? And the team's like, I guess you're going to bully us into this. So we get to the taco cart, and I'm like, Guido Sarducci. Okay. I'm like, hey, how you doing, guy? You want to buy a taco or anything? He is their favorite NPC. His name was Alvaro, but they bought him a belt buckle with an R on it, so he's changed his name to Ralvaro now. So I was like, hey, how you doing, guy? My name is Ralvaro. You want to buy a taco or anything? And then they're always like, what's this one? He's like, well, this one is a chicken. So this one probably vegetarian. This one's not a dog. Not a dog. Um, and uh, this one, uh, you know, this one's a, uh, uh, it's a bargain bin. It's a uh, dealer's choice. And, um, and they're always involving Ralvaro, except for one of my players. He plays the wizard. He plays a dragonborn wizard. And he hates Ralvaro. In oh, game no. and in real life. Uh, and that's the best friction I've ever had in a game. I have one player that doesn't want to deal with Ralvaro's BS, and I have four players that only want to deal with his BS. Probably the Ralvaro and the Taco, and they're probably one of like probably a pretty okay NPC. Okay, guy. Phenomenal. I, oh, yeah. more questions or no? Probably. You want more questions, guy? Yeah. <laughs> questions. Question. Yeah. I was just gonna ask, how do you deal with like your PCs like doing the exact opposite of what you do? <laughs> <laughs> That's the best question. You cry how do you so deal much. With PCs yes. <laughs> that don't do what you expect. Yeah, I, I absolutely enjoy it. That's probably one of the most fun parts for me, is just going off the rails completely, just improvising everyone, everything, and just jumping into it. That, um, that's the game, right? Yeah. I mean, and, that is the and, game. And the, the problem with it is that you can't prepare for it. I mean, you can a little bit. You have, like, random stuff going on in town or wherever they are. But you just got to roll with it. And if it fits with your world, go for it. If it doesn't break your storyline, go for it. If it doesn't OP your players or break the mechanics, just go for it. 
I say just uh, jump into it and use all the creativity and imagination you can. That's where the fun comes in. Agree. What if you don't have those? <laughs> then, then you have to spend a lot more time preparing. That's right. Holy <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do like to prepare NPCs and stuff, just random encounters like that. Um, I do prepare NPCs specifically for roleplay, give them attitudes and stuff like that. So I give the players something to play off of. But yeah, I had to make up that whole heist in a session. And it was one of the best sessions I've ever ran. So. I, I love going off the rails. So improv and acting and all that is definitely a skill and it takes time to develop that skill. So the more you spend on that, the better off you'll be. When building the game, right, I, I think of it in, in different ways. I know this some of the conversations, I think Jenny actually had talked about world building, right? Oh yeah, but I was in that one. Yeah, that's right. Ah. So, so you think of the way it, you have top-down world building, you have inside world building, right? Where you just plop them in. Like when I said, we, we make them all children. Okay, made them all children, put them in a high desert area. Cause I grew up in Wyoming. I know what that looks like. <laughs> so then from there, as, as you get little nuggets, you start to go top down and start building out a world. That helps when you have a little bit more around them for them to play, you get a little bit more sandbox, right? So when you come up with that really cool adventure that you're like, I've been planning on this for two weeks and you're like, all they need to do is just go to the tavern. I know they're going to go to the tavern. <laughs> they're going to go to the tavern. You know they're going to go, yeah, we're going to go talk to the governor. And you're like, oh, God. Ah! Yeah. And you totally derail everything. That's okay. That's great. You, you take that and you go back, right? You put that in your folder. And later on, you just pull it out because it's the same thing. If you look at plots or the ages, you read enough books, all that stuff, eventually you get old and jaded like me and you realize everything's the same. Right. And, and you go, I can apply this here, so right? So instead of getting info from the bartender, you get it from the mayor. Exactly. It's the same info, right? Yep. They yeah. don't need to know. Yeah. <laughs> it's still based on their choice and Absolutely. who they got the info from. Yeah, and, and the mayor can become that weird brother that you're worried about that's going to become the crazy <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah, whatever. Right. Of course. No, it's the mayor, not not the bartender. Yeah. So. You can do that with almost anything. Dungeon rooms and players pass, you just put it somewhere else so for them to find later. If there's something that needs to happen, I like to say wherever they're looking for it, that's where it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, are they looking for the key to the back door? Then one of them looks under the couch. Oh, it fell under the couch. Are they looking at the silverware door? Turns out somebody put in the silverware door. Right. Yes. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Real quick, just to piggyback on that. <laughs> that's something that drives me nuts when people stick to the published modules directly. And they're like, you have to be looking in the left drawer to find the key. That kind of, it takes oh, forever. Uh-uh. Yeah, I've seen people wait. Like, I've gone through three sessions with people in the same living room. Oh. Yeah, they, no. no. Fun. I've had, I've had a lot of sessions where that happened where I was like, if I don't let the players find this, I can't go on with the story. I have to do it's, this. It's boring for us, like, too. Yeah, yeah. Right. absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah, I cut you off. No, you're, you're, you're piggybacking. You're not cutting you off. My uh, one of the big things, just to just to kind of put a button on this, is um, if you know what your NPCs want at the at the onset of the campaign or at the onset of the session, just not not what they're going to do, what they want to do, that makes uh, improv so much easier because your players they may not get into the NPC's way or they may decide to get in that NPC's way. But either way, you know what they want to do, and then you can just kind of improv and spiral off of those choices. So. Pretty much every named NPC in my entire game, and it's huge, 
they have just a small goal, just a goal. You don't have to write a, a page. You have to write, this person wants to kill the king. This person has to go to the bathroom. This <laughs> and, and, and let it be that. Let it be something simple and immediate and stupid. So like they're like, hey, can we uh, get some directions? And they're, they're like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, but it's something. Yeah. Some old lady wants to borrow a cup of sugar. Just makes yes. <laughs> the greatest point around it, right? That we're that we're kind of funneling back to is it's the rules of improv, yeah. right? If you know, it, th this goes back to acting. <laughs> and, acting. And, and, oh, I don't know how many times and this is a joke with the Navis room. I, I have not read my script, so. But if I know what the end goal is. I know that I need to be getting to the other room or I'm going to have a fight with somebody and it's over somebody's you know, sister doing something, whatever. If I know the premise of it, I will just react yep. naturally to what the lines are. And that, that's what you need to do as a DM, right? I hate to be prescriptive, but it, it, it really is. That's the key when you ask the question of what do you, what do, you do when your players go off book? <laughs> well, you meet them there. Right? You find out where they're going, and you just keep bringing that story along. So I feel like that's right. the most necessarily prescriptive piece of DM advice, though, because otherwise you're writing every outcome. You don't yes. want to write a novel. No. You can't do it. You can't do it, especially if you play with my wife, because she'll turn into Bigfoot. <laughs> Absolutely. And some things can't happen. Yeah. Right? I mean, you, you may think in your head, yes, this is perfect, and then it really can't happen. Yeah, so pocket you, it. Get a different group. So Good you fun. meet them. New <laughs> friends. There's a lot of people. So you meet your players there, and then you put the story in front of them, however you can. Go. Okay. Who's next? Who we got? We got three hands all your, of a sudden. Your choice, man. I'm right, counting like six. Right in front. I've been drinking at least since noon. I know different DMs have different goals, but you guys all strike me as people who enjoy role playing. Yeah. Um, and, your, and your players getting into the character and doing what you think the character would do rather than them. So, um, what moments have you guys been the most proud of your players? Like scenes or, or choices that they've made where you as a DM have felt super proud that like they really dipped into their character and went like, I, you, you felt happy to see them really cool. owning their character. Okay. The amount of emotion just oh, came out of oh, Jesse right here. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I just think it's a really good question. Yeah, I, I love the question. Yes, please. So um, I had this NPC um, that I initially um, was just, it was going to be a throwaway bad guy that the party was going to kill. But uh, I voiced him like Hans Landa from Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> so, so I gave him a uh, German accent, and he was very intimidating to them, and he would laugh at inconvenient times. <laughs> and he freaked them out so bad that they just let him run uh, illicit substances through town. He's, wow. he's, I scared my party off <laughs> with a German accent. And I realized I could just bully these guys with this, this uh, German-accented drow as much as I want, and I would, I would just chase him out of town when I didn't want him to be there anymore because uh, he had like a really high stealth skill, and so he'd show up behind him and be like, oh, what are you doing in my town? <laughs> the, uh, it was the session before last, so two weeks ago, my wizard was like, enough! Unfortunately, I had kind of written this guy. Is the taco truck guy? Yes, the, 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 the one and the same. Uh, he's like, I've had enough. I'm not being bullied by this guy anymore. I'm nice. like, oh, shoot. Well, I had written him at the end of the campaign. Dang it. And he's like, I cast whole person. I'm like, oh. oh. In the middle of town square, it's, it's just after dark. It's, it's a little empty. And they just mobbed this guy. Oh. <laughs> he's like, I didn't write any 
Yeah, you killed uh, the secondary big bad guy in the middle of town. Good decision making. I was going to pick on you forever. <laughs> so that's for you. Yeah, Mike, you're always the middle guy, so continue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this player never really role played ever and joined our group. And we're all, you know, actors and actresses and stuff like that. And he's kind of like, no, real quiet. And we get through things and he gets so invested. And he's playing Scott Mayer. So when you listen to the show, do what you all will. <laughs> You'll pick right? up on, on the door, but it, but he had this moment where he just looked at me and said, "Where's your family now?" He's talking to the captain. "Where's your family now?" And he just looks and goes, "Well, this is my family," and like the whole table broke because he's he's never shown That's this acting awesome. side, right? And he, all of a sudden he's invested. There's the emotions, and he's part of the story. That's so, great. Yeah. It's real. That's just your great storytelling. Oh, it's true. It's the narrative. <laughs> so my, I don't think mine's is like story-driven, but a, a cool problem one of my players solved. Uh, the setup was an encounter where there were slavers, and all the slaves were in a bunch of cages on a wagon. So instead of fighting through all the bad guys and saving the prisoners, the druid comes up, turns himself into a horse, and just pulls the wagon away. Oh! <laughs> and avoided the entire encounter. Oh, that was great. Really? And that was my 11-year-old nephew. Amazing. Yeah! Right? Yeah. That's probably one of the coolest. It's like, wow, well, there goes an hour of our game. That's <laughs> that yeah, is great. Question? Yeah. Um, so, how do you modulate uh, your combat? Uh, I mean, do you ever accidentally overdo your villain where it's like <laughs> just absolutely steamrolls <laughs> Accidentally? <laughs> We've had it on both sides all the time. Um, and or do you just like downplay your villain where it's like, oh, he's being yeah. <laughs> you modulated. Like, you just up the health and like up the damage. Mind if I snag that? Yeah, do you it. You good with that? Go here's the middle guy, though. I, I know. <laughs> I'm the middle guy. So, so the short. Here's here's the easy one, right? So the easy hit points. Yeah. You control hit points. They don't know the hit points. You can control the hit points. Yeah. Planning doesn't stop. It happens. Once a dirty the secret. Starts. I hated it when this true. <laughs> I've done. <laughs> Cut what? that in half. Right? <laughs> <laughs> with hit points, I like to add force fields or mage armor mm. and just stuff like that. Force and, and I describe it as like, this guy just cast a barrier and you have to do like 50 damage to bring this thing down. I straight up tell them that so they know. Because if you don't say stuff like that, they'll just give up. It's like, yes. yeah, you see this is being damaged. You just got to hit it a few more times. That that slows them down right away, and that gives me a lot more time to prepare. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love legendary actions as well. Oh. It's a lifesaver, um, especially in initiative when you have one bad guy and five players ganging up on him. Oh it's way too easy. Um, so yeah, legendary actions. You give your bad guy a few extra turns in the same round. It breaks up the players' attacks as well, and you still get to play. Um, and then on the opposite side of that, yeah, it's. Way too. I had Onkegs and Pathfinder with uh, AC 18. My players could not kill them. <laughs> and, and you know, Pathfinder, that was so much yes. harder. So I had to bring in a the farmer character that hired the players. He, he, he came into battle holding a ton of yes. uh, healing potions just to save all the players. <laughs> 
<laughs> but was it disguised as lemonade? Here you go, you need right. a little bit of this while you go back to it. They're destroying my farmland. <laughs> Thanks for your help, whippersnappers. I know, it's so fine. Oh, yeah, so it's just, you gotta deal with it in the moment, basically. But I like making my bad guys big and strong and scary. It makes it a lot more fun. And most players can survive a lot you throw at them. They usually have a ton of abilities, ton of items, especially when they're all working together very well, they'll save each other pretty quickly. So it's okay to go hard until it's not. <laughs> and you can usually find out that line. It, yeah, you get that yeah. feel, right? You, where, where it does like take some practice for sure. Yeah. Maybe four times. So I, I am uh, I'm a little on the spectrum. And uh, so I like numbers. We all are. And you, in a D and D conference, what's this about math? You're right. What's a number? I I know that my players every round will do on average 150 points of damage. And I like my fights to last about three rounds. So a lot of my bad guys have roughly 350 points of health. And so that's how I handle it. The neighbor's dogs got 300 points of damage. They're they're like little seven eight now. So they're not fighting the neighbor's dog. They're fighting like the neighbor's dog's landlord. But yeah, I mean, uh, I love legendary actions, but I don't improv them. If if this thing has okay. a legendary action, I write it in beforehand. That doesn't mean I always oh, use it. Yeah. That's a shame. But it just I feel I don't know. I'm, I I have this really it's black smart. and white sense of things. I don't like to like. Oh, I give him extra hit points on the tail end. Although I have done it, but it feels dirty. Does it feel dirty? It, it does. Does it feel yes. dirty? Absolutely. <laughs> I don't give him a legendary action. Just on the spot. Don't um, tell my players. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, sometimes you're like, well. This was supposed to be an intense fight, and it's almost over, and not everybody has even gone yet. Uh, that being said, I've also, on the other end, I rolled max damage on a breath weapon attack one time. Ooh. Which is, uh, if you're familiar with breath weapon attacks, it's, it's, it's often a lot. Um, so it was, it was 10d8, and I rolled like all 7s and 8s, and we had one person left. It was, it was, but fortunately, oh, no. and it was one of those people that could heal, but forgot that they could. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, uh, oddly enough, the dragon decided to reposition on their next turn and take the dodge action. <laughs> Surprised at, its own, at, at the, the energy with which it expelled that tired it for one moment. Ah, there you go. I don't know. I just didn't want to kill all my players. Oh, I for character sure. drew it, up. And, yeah. It uh, happens. Yeah, so sometimes yeah, you're in control of what the bad guys do, right? Um, but maybe it's a poignant story moment. Maybe yeah. it's time for somebody to go. Yeah. Oh. You, you can always draw it back to Return Vector or whatever it was, where it's written into the game where it tells you do not let your players use their favorite characters because <laughs> they're going to die. There's like no way that you get out of the first encounter. You die, and it's part of the story, and then you come back as people that go to find their bodies. It's part of, uh, part, part of the story. So, it's something to think about is, it, we always forget about, it's a fantasy world, and there is resurrection, right? People can come back, right? That's another quest. It's another Adventure quest. And maybe they get to choose a different class. Right. Maybe you don't want to be a part. Yeah. Maybe that Who doesn't want to be a part? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you don't want to be a support did, plan. Did we do good on that? He's a bard in real life. Six out of ten? Still oh, right. Eight out of ten. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so it varies. you got to be able to notice the situation for sure. But you can plan ahead. Like, 
playing a few extra legendary moves if you think it might be too easy yeah, or um, have a few set hit points to scale it up or down if you want to. Yeah. Scale down some of the attack. You know what's weird? Oh, can I jump in? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been doing it the whole time. This was the last time we were going to name drop her. My, my buddy Jenny was talking to Matt Colville the other day. Name drop. Yeah, I did. I, but well, I wasn't talking to him. I'm not that cool. I was talking to her. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, cool I'm two too. degrees from Matt Colville. That's great. Um, and sometimes he, he's like, I don't what track hit points. And she's like, what? He's <laughs> like, a track, you know, Chances for people to do cool stuff. It works stuff, really well in which I, I hated the idea of that, but the more I think about it, I'm like, well, yeah, you make sure everybody gets to do the cool move that they want to do, and the bad guy gets to do the cool move he wants to do, and then then he just magically dies. I guess that's all right. I don't know how you how I feel about that, but I mean, it kind of lends itself to that, that line of thought. How do you rebalance on this on the fly? Um, Especially when you're coming up with a whole new session right away. Yeah. I, I The only thing I really write down is probably their attacks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's about it. Yeah. And the encounter change, if, right. you, if, if you're trying to write a really good encounter, right, that kind of thing, you have different options than just what's set right there. Okay. You you fight in some Mortal Kombat. You know what's happening. Right. Also, dibs on Scorpion. You want yeah, <laughs> but you want something coming out of the sky halfway through it, or you know, you know the, the eagles show up and save the hobbits. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I mean this is like good stuff. Do six. Uh, somebody should write a book about that. <laughs> but, but that does help you focus more on the story when, yeah. and it doesn't make your combat boring when you're just attacking back and forth, keeping track of hit points. Then. You lose all momentum with your story, so. And so yeah, sometimes it's not death, too. Right. Yeah. If they run out of hit points and you're like, oh, I just killed that character, maybe you put them into a dream state and they're seeing something, they get something out of it. Right. You're like, oh, I see the big baddie down the road and I know how to how to fight him. Here's this. <laughs> As we joke, get to the bathroom. Because in my basement, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, well, that's the office. That's your thinking. Right? <laughs> it's like, don't they, to the bathroom. <laughs> On our Discord, we actually made a bathroom room. That's you know? right. <laughs> it's like, it's such a joke. But you go in there and you discuss that. You say, this is what you know, blah, blah, blah. And you see what they do at the table to let everybody else know what they know now. Right? You plant the seeds, you see how they grow. So... Then you can play off whatever choices they make after that. Absolutely. All right, go ahead. Uh, as DMs, I'm sure you all used to be just the average player yourself. No? I played <laughs> once. Um, um, <laughs> I played once in 20 years. If you're playing a game with people who DM, or you as a DM are playing just as a player character in somebody else's game, how do you, how do you regulate yourself from... <laughs> from becoming DM in somebody else's game. Oh, that's a hard one for me. Somebody else do that. Okay. It's <laughs> easy for me. Okay, you go, you go ahead <laughs> and then I'll hit me. I, I'm not a good player. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't write my backstories. I never spend enough time on it. And then I'm just stupid during the game, so it works really easy for me. Okay, terrible story. I have to tell it. I was playing a cleric, and... We're in this cave, and one of the NPCs just decides to walk into a pit full of zombies. And I'm staring at my character sheet, looking at all my spells, trying to figure out what to do. And then one of the players just, like, walks up and puts their hand in front of the NPC. I was, like, I was way overthinking oh. it. I'm like, oh, right. I could have just moved like a normal person. <laughs> so, yeah, but, like, when it comes to, like, monster stats and all that stuff, it's pretty easy to not spoil it. 
but just let all the other players make the decisions at that point. After playing the game for a really long time, <laughs> you, you memorize a lot of things. It just happens, right? And I, I, I get what you're saying. The rules are 30 years The rules, <laughs> yeah, you're all collaboratively writing the story. You're all collaboratively playing the game. Uh, many times I'll talk to the dungeon master, you know, beforehand and say, okay, so what are you thinking as far as the, your setting? Just so I, what bounds can I step on? You know, that kind of, we handle that again back to session zero. One of my favorite games recently, actually, was was done by a friend of mine who converted uh, 5e into a uh, like a cyberpunk game, and I played this blue dragonborn cool. named Toddass, <laughs> who was glorious. And he showed up, and his whole thing was jumping in the pool. So he'd go into the pool, and he'd dance with everybody. He was more happy, you know, partying and causing a ruckus than he was actually trying to solve the puzzle. <laughs> so I was more comic relief. Now, that's one way to deal with it. I'm not saying that's the way to deal with it. I would say you play your character the way you, you think you should play your character. Yeah. That's really what it is. There is, no, there is no rules behind it. If you think you're getting too DM-y about it, too rule, rules Nazi, they'll pick up on it. And if they're a DM worth their salt, they'll add some hit points. <laughs> That's what I was going to jump on. Um, a lot of times when I'm playing, um, I am commonly one of the more experienced people at the table. Um, and I have historically just made myself a resource for the, uh, the, the DM. Um, where, uh, I play my friend Ray. I play a, a, a Bladesinger wizard in my friend Ray's campaign. And... She uses me like a resource. She's like, hey, uh, how much damage does uh, level one uh, um, uh, uh, magic missile do? I'm like, oh, you know, 44. <laughs> yeah, she's, just, she's always just like, it's faster to just ask you than to look it up. Yeah. <laughs> but Yeah, use your rules, lawyers. Uh, there's a thing I also do, though, because I, 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 play, I play characters that are the opposite of me. They're usually like low, low charisma, uh, low strength characters. That's most of my guys. Um, and... It, to avoid that that DM metagaming that you can, it's a trap, right? It's mm -hmm. so easy to do. Um, so you know a lot of stuff about the game, but your character doesn't necessarily, right? So what I do is I will have the, let, let's say we're gonna go fight some werewolves. My character doesn't know that werewolves are vulnerable to silver, but I don't feel like it's too metagaming for my character to be like, hey, I hear we're gonna fight some werewolves. Does anybody know how to kill those? Okay. So I don't know. That's just a smart player asking good questions. Yeah, and then the yeah, DM gets to like RP back with you, so. Because we're out of time already. Are we, we are out of time. I say oh, so many lovely. words. Can, it's easy to find. Yeah, if you Google Jesse Durdak, I'll come up. Yeah. I'm a, I, <laughs> yeah. Probably, with, yeah, probably without a shirt. <laughs> What's up? And, and we have Josh with GamesMaster.com. Thank you. Stick around. We got Chris Dulski that's going to be doing the uh, the puppet stuff, right? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Foam and felt and friends. what else? I got fabrics, of course. Well, the, let's talk about his since he's being the guy. And, and Mikey does Dice Tower Theater. Yeah. Dice Tower Theater audio drama. Thanks for joining us in this bonus episode of Dice Tower Theater. Stay tuned as we seek to catch up with our friends and the mysterious prisoners that escaped the City of Fire. Until then, adventurers, stay safe and remember the oath. <laughs>